Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host. Uh, today, we're going to be talking with Joe Cook. Joe's the beat writer uh, for Inside Texas, uh, and he was on hand today for Steve Sarkeesian's Media Day. Uh, also got a chance to talk to a number of players, uh, and that's where I want to start today. Usually, we start with the head coach, but Joe, first of all, welcome in. Thanks for having me on, Bobby. Yeah, I, I think that you and I were having a conversation off camera before this, and I think it's, it, you know, while we usually talk first about what the head coach is saying, uh, you brought up some things that uh, Moro Ojomo, uh, the defensive lineman from Katy, uh, was talking about in today's media availability and how you thought he was, uh, you know, giving some, some uh, really difficult answers to some mm -hmm. difficult questions. Yeah, uh, he was very forthright today. And there were some times where you could tell he just stopped and paused. He quote, he goes, fudge, you know, and he actually said that to his credit, which is kind of funny. Uh, but, you know, he, Moro Jomo went to Katie. That's, that's one of the best high school programs in the state, if not the entire country. Winning is their priority and they do it really well. And most of these guys on the Texas roster are from successful programs. They probably wouldn't have recruited them uh, if they weren't, you know, leading players on good teams at, at the high school level. Uh, and so for a lot of these guys, this is their first experience really dealing with losing on a consistent basis, or at least at a level different than what they're used to. And even for a guy like Ojimo, who's been on this roster since 2018, it, it wears on him. And, and so his responses today, I kind of believe were uh, representative of the whole team. It's like, look, we're, we're trying, but this is hard. This is difficult. You know, no one likes losing three in a row. No one wants to be known as the first Texas team that loses four in a row since 2010. Like this is difficult. And I know I've talked about the teams for Jolie, but I, it's completely understandable for them to be disappointed. If, if you, uh, you or anybody watching this are disappointed by it, think about how they feel and thinking no matter what hard work they do, it hasn't been enough. And I think that's what Ojomo was kind of rep talking about today and saying like, look, we're, we're trying, we're, we're banging our head against the wall. And there are points where it feels like that, not to say that it's, you know, futile uh, because, you know, we've seen this coaching staff do a lot of good things before at other places separately and also understanding this is year one, but you know, it's j just as it's difficult on, on fans it's difficult on players and coaches, even if they're getting a Texas education out of it and NIL money, even if they're getting paid however many hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars to coach it. Like all the pain that you're feeling at home, they're feeling, you know, they're having it played out and the blame is going to them. And, then, and I think that's what Ojimo was talking a little bit about today. And of course, it's on him and other players to rectify that. It's up to coaches to get a game plan together that will rectify that. And they're not trying to shy away from it. But I think Ojimo is really honest about just, you know, this isn't as fun as it could be or should be. Uh, they made very clear, very sure him, Keandre Coburn, uh, a couple of the other guys there, they, they made sure to note, you know, they wouldn't trade, they wouldn't go anywhere else. They wouldn't trade University of Texas for anything. And that's a big reason why they're just as disappointed as anybody watching or you or you or I may be. Yeah, um, Inside Texas is Eric Nolene, the publisher uh, of Inside Texas, reported today that uh, Casey Thompson sat out of uh, practice um, at probably as a precautionary measure, but Casey was still there with the media folks today. 
Yeah, he 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 came and gave his normal uh, his normal appearance at Monday Media Day. Yeah, and I'll I'll did Sarkeesian take and, and let's let's move on to Sarkeesian. Did he take any questions about the quarterback position uh, in he, today's media call? He did. Uh, he was asked, you know, if, uh, if if Casey Thompson is still going to be the starter, and he said, you know, barring barring injury, yes, he he still will be. And he mentioned about how Hudson Card, using his words, is is chomping at the bit to get in. Uh, but at this point, they said it with with Casey Thompson, he's the starter going forward. Yeah, you mentioned fragility and, and frustration is another word I think that that you can sense with when you hear the the words of the head football coach uh, that I get to see, and then you talking to the individual players as well. Um, you know, Sark in his in his presser today also talked about how all of the last three games were winnable, um, and he made specific note of an opportunity in the second quarter. Uh, where he felt like the team could have taken control of the game. Um, and you know what? In the second quarter against Oklahoma State, they could have taken control of the game too. And they failed to do so. One time it was a, a pick six against Oklahoma State. The other was a, 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 a fumble, a drop touchdown pass, um, maybe a, a, an additional interception. There were a couple of different pieces to that. And I think that uh, – what if I understand Steve, Steve Sarkeesian right, and I want to get your feedback on this, Joe? He's saying that the kids are not getting down on themselves right now. They're, they're obviously disappointed, but they're not completely down on themselves because they actually can see a way out of it or see that they've actually done some things that are that are positives. They just have to follow through on it. At, at what point, though? And, and I and I agree with that. By the way, I mean I, I think there's there's definitely parts of this. This offense is working to some degree. Um, the not not to its level that it needs to to win football games, but to some degree it is. But at what point does do these um, almosts or could have would haves? At what point are they too much? Uh, I was I was wondering, are you were you about to say at what point are these almost just representative of who the team is? Uh, you know, that that's one way to I thought that's the, where you were going to go with that question. And I, I kind of had the idea, you know, you didn't mention it, but I mean, we all saw the game play out. A lot of those were on on Josh Moore. It was a drop touchdown, uh, a fumble and the, the volleyball set that gave it to Baylor at the end of the half. We all saw it. That's who it was. Yeah, he's in position to make those plays. He's in the end zone with the ball in his hands. He's wide open with the ball there. He's making a spin move on third and whatever it was for the conversion. So part of it is you're you're there, but you're not as far as you need to be. So uh, it's it's a it's a tough balance to find. And yeah, I, I'm I see where Steve Sarkeesian is coming from, where he's saying we're X amount of plays from being uh, what six and one or whatever the number is going to be seven and one, but they're not. And you know, conversely, and Texas fans know this really well with how many one possession games they've been in over the past four or five years. They're out also however many plays from being, what, three and five or something like that. So um, I think, honestly, as much as we wish it was it was different, this team is basically playing like this team really is. Uh, I, I don't I don't think we're, they're hiding anything. I don't think that they're being held back or, or anything like that. I think we're just seeing what this what this team is actually like. And, you know, we may always get up in that preseason emotional swell of maybe this is it. And, you know, we'll watch that Alabama national championship game one more time. And, you know, we'll read about Pete Kwiatkowski shutting down Pac-12 offenses one, or one more time and think, you know, maybe this is different. But 
this was still a team without Sam Ellinger coming back. This was still a team replacing an NFL left tackle and a senior center. Uh, this was still a team, you know, that didn't have a lot of returning production. And I think it, at this point, they're just playing out who they really are on the field. Yeah, I think that the problem, uh, and this is something that I think I finally heard uh, from Steve Sarkeesian this week. We need to play better complementary football. I think that was the exact quote, right? Uh, something to that effect. And it's not that he hasn't said that before, but he came out earlier than customary in his presser and talked about it, right? Um, and I think he recognizes now that what they're doing is just not, it's not working on the whole because his playmakers aren't making plays. It's, it's one thing uh, to try to run up the score and, and score 35 in the first half um, while your defense isn't tired, right? Uh, but if you can't get to 35 in the first half, you better hold on for dear life in the second half, right? And when your defense is tired or gashed or the, uh, the opposing offense has found their way. Um, so he mentioned that today. And that makes, me, that makes me go back to something that Eric wrote on Sunday that I, I agree with him. You know, what would Steve Sarkeesian do with B. John Robinson if he was facing the Texas defense? Yeah, exactly. He, he, would, he would run him until um, he would run for 250. And uh, he would run him heavy in the second half. and just wait it out and, and make it happen. And I, I feel like that's part of the problem here is that they're not playing that complimentary football. Texas is trying to get out to a, a, a lead and they've been successful in doing that, but they can't close it down because it, there's no complimentary football. They're, they're still going for the jugular um, and they're still trying to um, do all this stuff, but they're not moving the chains like they were early in the season. Uh, they were three of 14 on third down on Saturday. Um, yeah. compared to where they were early in the year, um, moving the chains. And so that puts more stress on the defense. They've got to start getting into uh, moving the chains more frequently as opposed to this big play team, which is nice in theory and really looks good when you have Xavier Worthy out there running up and down the field free. Uh, but uh, to not to not uh, push on that, I think, is, is uh, something that we all need to think about. Any, anything you else you want to um, drive home uh, after listening to their, their press there today? Well, I think I, I kind of want to go off what you're talking about. And I think I may have mentioned this on the video before. Uh, not being involved in, in or not having complimentary football, he's able to recognize that, which is, you know, I guess that's something to, to, to note. Uh, and maybe it's too late. And part of me wonders, is that a factor of having a play calling head coach? Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that, he should turn over play calling because that's not going to happen at a Steve Sarkeesian program, but I, I think he, nor should it. I mean, right, he is absolutely. a, he, I, absolutely I, I, not. there are many things I would agree with Joe to your point, but the one thing I would never do is take play calling ability from him. Right. But what that means is that he has to dedicate attention to play calling a lot more to the offense. I mean, Lincoln Riley has to do it. Uh, conversely, well, not anymore. Gary Patterson had to do it. Uh, Dave Aranda does it. So that means they have to hire guys just and have basically total autonomy on the other side of the football from what their specialty is. Of course, he's going to uh, be involved on that side. He's the head coach. And we've seen that for the last two Texas coaches as well. Uh, but he's he's giving a lot of trust to other guys. And remember, this is Steve Sarkeesian's first head coaching job also in five years. So I've kind of wondered throughout this year how much of it. This is 
program building for Steve Sarkeesian, building up his players, but also just kind of getting back in the saddle himself. And if this late recognition of complimentary football is something kind of as a result of that, like, good, he's, he's finally seeing it. Yes. But at the same time, it, it took him a while. And is that just because of who, what he, what roles he likes to define as a head coach? There's no way he's going to change it, but it's part of the getting back into the saddle, I guess. And I think we're seeing some of that play out too. You know who else had a hard time realizing that and recognize that is Cliff Kingsbury. Mm-hmm. Um, he could run up and down the field and, and he, you know, at the end of his tenure, he, tr- he tried to manage the team better. Um, and, and he couldn't in, in the college game. He's out at Texas Tech. He couldn't get the players that they could at Texas or that they can on at Texas or the defensive players in particular. So I, I think you may have you may be onto something, a little something there, Joe. And whenever he went to the NFL, I don't know it off the top of my head, but they hired the Cardinals hired probably uh, one of the more experienced defensive coordinators that they could have possibly done. It's going to bug me uh, until I figure <laughs> out who it is, but. Uh, you know, they they went and got somebody who Cliff knew he could Vance Joseph. That's who they got a former head coach, a guy who had been Terry Joseph's NFL. brother. Right. Exactly. They got somebody who he, he knows how to maintain a defense on that side of the ball. And that's why the Cardinals, after some struggles in a tough division, uh, are now, you know, one of the most electric teams in the NFL, thanks in large part to his offense. And unfortunately, J.J. Watts out, but that defense, too. He, he talked to – I want to close with this because one of the things we focus on so heavily at Inside Texas is, as you know, is recruiting. Uh, and I thought that, uh, you know, he had a, a great quote and one that I completely agree with, and I'm talking about Steve Sarkeesian today. Uh, he was asked, you know, what about recruiting, you know, and talked about offensive line, said they're looking for five offensive linemen, I, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, they've already got two committed, uh, one from a guy, Connor Robertson, that we had on our YouTube series here uh, that I thought was a great interview, if you get a chance to watch that. And then another, uh, Cole Hudson out of Frisco, big offensive lineman there. And, and Sarkeesian basically said that not only, you know, it's one thing, we could go get three more offensive linemen right now, but we're not just looking for three more offensive linemen. He said, we could probably call, you know, raise hands today and go get three more. We don't want just three more. We want three more that are upper echelon that are going to take us to where we need to get. Um, did you sense, you know, from from seeing that in, in person, did you sense that that was um, a conviction on his part not to, to lower uh, the standard for what he wanted? Uh, do you think that that's something that he uh, feels strongly about? I mean, how did you really take those words other than just reading them off a transcript? I, that that really raised my eyebrows because I thought, wow, that's that's some refreshing honesty. And honestly, maybe with the way the season's going, could come back and bite them. Because if you call somebody and be like, hey, we would like you to come to Texas and we're offering you now, some other coach is going to point them out and be like, oh, they didn't think you were good enough back then. So, I mean, that, that's up to the coaches to overcome that. Me, I appreciate the refreshing honesty. And that kind of indicates he can't say these names. Hey, we're still after Kelvin Banks. Hello, hey, we're st- still after Cam Dewberry. We're still after Ernest Green because we think these guys are difference makers and we want to go get the difference makers who can do something for us instead of, 
you know, somebody else from whose other all competing offers are the elite G5s and some mid-level P5s. So it was surprising honesty that you don't typically hear uh, from a head coach. I think he's right, but he, I mean, at the same time, he definitely opened himself up to where if down the line things don't go the way he wants them to, there could be some uh, some tough conversations to be had uh, in addition to, you know, tough conversations about the, the program in general. Yeah, I, I would say this, though. I mean, it's better to be uh, upfront and honest because at the end of the day, if, if you have to, to peel back and do that, then you have to do it anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't change the, the situation. Um, I felt what I what I thought was good, Joe, is I thought there was a conviction to it. Um, I felt like, hey, look, we know we need better players. And if you're a Texas fan right now um, and you see them on the cusp, they, they, they truly have been on the cusp in the last three weeks. Uh, they have not looked good on defense in the last three weeks in the second half at all. They've looked really, really bad. But on offense, in the first half, they looked more than capable. Um, and a couple of plays here and there, you know, it's a different season. Um, so I look at it, and, and I'm, I'm hoping that that, uh, that conviction carries over into the recruiting space for them because otherwise uh, you don't want to just see more of the same. Xavier Worthy and B. John Robinson are clear uh, stars uh, in the making, not only for the Longhorns, but probably into the NFL future, right? Um, exactly. And so, I, Joe, I, I appreciate you taking the time. Anything you want to close with today? Anything else? Okay. No, it, it, it's funny you mentioned Worthy, though. He's he's going to break some of Roy Williams' records, who may be the best wide receiver Texas has had, top two easily. He's going to break some of his freshman records unless something goes drastically awry. Yeah, Worthy, Worthy is the best all-around receiver Texas had as a freshman because he can get open. Uh, Roy Roy was not a great route runner early in his career. Uh, got a lot better as he got on. But uh, Worthy is a, a, tr- a really good route runner for his youth and still has the speed to take it off the top. And, you know, frankly, Roy had drops early in his career too, despite having fly swatter hands. I mean, so uh, – um, I feel like uh, Worthy is there and, and a potential to be an all-time great at Texas. Maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe the, you're speaking about a 18-, 19-year-old freshman, but maybe the best receiver in the history of the university out of Fresno, California. Funny how the two best players on this team are from Arizona and Fresno, California right now. All right. Um, for uh, Joe Cook, beat reporter of Inside Texas, I'm Bobby Burton. Uh, if you would like, please consider uh, subscribing to our video uh, series here on YouTube by clicking the uh, lower right-hand button there that says subscribe. If you want more in-depth information on a daily basis, uh, there's no better place to get it than InsideTexas.com. That's where Joe, myself, Eric Naline, Jerry Hamilton, Justin Wells, Paul Wadlington, and Ian Boyd, as well as Hudson Standish are all there together. Uh, So for Joe Cook, I'm Bobby Burton. Thanks for watching.